filter out good information from bad so that you can feel confident about your shortlisted property. This is a listener question that we felt deserved a whole episode. Welcome to Your First Home Buyer Guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to move it along and become homeowners. But most importantly, it is for home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mum. And that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 45 years experience to share with you and bucket loads of stories and avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure you get unbiased and real information you can rely on. We've got loads of free tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll get access to our free webinar, How to Buy Your First Home with the Right Amount of Debt. You'll also find the holy grail of home buying education, Your First Home Buyer Guide, the online course of people who want to be educated home buyers. We have created this for you to help you get on the right path to home ownership for your first home and beyond. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field who takes the time to understand your personal situation. We've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change rapidly. So always check with the relevant government authority or your trusted advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Today we're talking about how to manage information overload in a way that gives clarity about what we should be listening to or who and who or what we should be ignoring. But before we get into that, you have a special building behind you this week. It's a little chilly around the country, you know, it's sort of winter, late winter uh, when this goes to air and that is the Gold Coast. Now, I have to say, I don't think those buildings are actually constructed yet. I, I think they're a proposed set of, of new buildings, but they looked amazing. And since we're talking about Strata today, I thought it was very appropriate that we have one of the most high-density areas in on the, along the coast, which is the, 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 the surface paradise. We are talking about Strata today, actually. That is very, very timely. I was down the Gold Coast the other week. We did a little bit of a drive down there and I looked and I think one of them lease has been built because I looked at it and went, I've seen that somewhere and it might have been in one of those photos. Um, and it, there's a bit of a trend with buildings these days with big skyscrapers to actually have the scaffold, not the scaffolding, the sort of the skeleton of the building visible. Yeah, the engineering components. Yeah, it was just quite interesting. Anyway... Well, this particular question came through and uh, recently and from a fellow named Aftab and it's quite a juicy one. So I really did think it warranted an entire episode. Shall I read it? I'll read it and then you can take up. All right. Our biggest challenge is not knowing how to filter out the bad information from the good and feeling confident in making decisions about any shortlisted property. We had signed a contract two weeks ago and paid 0.25% deposit on a two-bedroom apartment in Sydney. The Strata report came back with funds in deficit as a result of a loan being taken out to fix some building issues. Red alert, red alert. Solicitor was a bit concerned with that and advised us not to proceed, but our broker thought it was okay. 
Ultimately, we decided to rescind the offer within our cooling off period. But now, reading one of your articles, it seems we could have gone ahead with it as the location was really convenient. The property is now back on the market. Anyway, information overload and inexperience in talking about property matters is what's holding us back at the moment. So, woo, the first thing, I'm a little alarmed that we've, we're in some way, we've encouraged him to go ahead regardless. In it, that he sort of felt after reading one of our articles that he should have just thrown caution to the wind because that is because it was a good location. Absolutely. No, 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 no. Mum says no. Definitely says no. The thing is with location, it only does part of the heavy lifting. It takes you to a certain point. But if you choose a wrong asset in a good location, then you are in for a world of pain. So let's just clear that one straight off the bat. Do you know what? It almost sounds like, Veronica, that, that maybe that information or whatever it was has been taken out of context of the big picture. You know, it's almost like listening to these podcasts without understanding the whole process of buying a property and how, how this stuff sort of fits into the big picture. Oh, my God. You just said, like, that's just given me perfect. See, <laughs> write it down. Whatever it is, to write it down. Well, no, it's the, the thing is that you and I, we record these podcasts, we deliver them every single week. There's lots of juicy information in these podcasts. But if you think you can just take one little piece or one episode or even a handful of episodes and think you've got enough information to buy the property, then you've missed our point. And our point is that there's a process. You have to learn the process. You have to get everything in the right order. And that's why we put together the whole course, which is your first home buy guide which helps people not to cherry pick bits and pieces of information, but to get the whole thing in context. So anyway, as you were saying that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what we right? built the but course. That's, <laughs> but that's the whole point is, is it, you, can, but you can get the wrong bit or you can get a really, really good piece of advice. Even from but us. But if you take it out of context or don't understand the big picture, then it's a really bad piece of advice for you. Yes. Now, so getting back to sort of the story. Sorry, we digress. Yeah, yep. we do digress. Now, he was absolutely right to be cautious, especially with Strata. And, and I'm actually really glad they did pull out of this con contract based on what they've told us because, of course, we don't have the full picture of that either. But one of the problems that they highlighted is knowing who to ask or who to listen to about what. Right. So their solicitor may have been overcautious, possibly, but also... He may have also seen red flags all over that strata report. And so we don't know any more detail and it might be totally legit that they borrowed money and, and, and they're being really responsible in the way that they're managing that building. But it also might be that they've had a bunch of owners that have never contributed to the Capital Works Fund. They've been running on the smell of an oily rag for years, avoiding all the maintenance. And then they got to a point where they were forced to do something and had to borrow money. So there's so many different ways that they could have ended up with that scenario. And so, uh, you know, a good solicitor who does know about Strata will be able to help guide you through whether that is, you know, the former or the latter example or somewhere in between. But, you know, we so obviously we can't comment on whether the solicitor was was, you know, appropriate or too wary. But at the end of the day, the solicitor's paid to advise you and to reduce your risk. Yeah. And not not only that, but but a big part is what is the next question after finding the issues? 
And and what we don't know from the question, we haven't got any further information about it, but what we don't know is what the advice back from the solicitor was around. So did they read the strata report or just look at the balances? So now a good solicitor, and there's plenty of, we've done plenty of podcasts on this, a good solicitor is going to engage a specialist to do a strata report and provide information that is bigger than just what they read in the, the minutes because, you know, they're getting their information from minutes and from um, capital works forecasts and looking at notices and emails that go between the members and all those sorts of things. That's where they're gathering their information from. Just the fact that it's in deficit to, to deal with some building works, you know, you'd really want to dig in a little bit more to understand what that was about. You know, were the levies not collected correctly along the way to have enough money? Was this such a big issue? But it's been dealt with and there's a, a way, as you said earlier, there's a way forward to deal with the debt. Now, of course, no one wants to take on debt, but if it's already been kind of dealt with and allocated for and the funds are there, then it's just a matter of understanding that and making, you know, making weighing up whether that's right for you or it's going to impact you. That's exactly right. I mean, look, I literally last week read a strata report for a client and, you know, there was a lot, has been a lot of work done on this building. It's probably about 50, 60 years old, this building. And in the strata report, we read that they were having a survey done. So that's like another word for building inspection on every floor. I think there was something like maybe 15 or 16 floors in this building. And so they were getting this report done. It was mentioned in the minutes of, of, um, of a meeting, you know, some months back. And I thought, well, great, where's that report? You know, so that for me is like, I want to know. I want to know the scope. They're talking about raising all this money, do all this work in the building, and they're talking about all, all the cosmetics, about cladding it, and this and that, rah, rah, it's all very exciting, all very expensive, talking about potentially redeveloping the roof and putting a penthouse on there to fund it, all <laughs> oh, these wow. highfalutin, really great, you know, potentially great ideas, but not costed, not, not, you know, not agreed on, not nothing, right? And I'm like... It's, you know, so lots of strata buildings will sort of go into this sort of thing, but I'm like, well, we, you could just be walking into a, like, you know, a situation where a lot of people are going to, got a lot invested in this and are really going to railroad this and push this through, or you could be walking into a situation where it hasn't got a hope in hell of getting off the ground, but then the very fact that there was this building inspection that had been done floor by floor was mentioned and months later so what we're talking four months later we still had no copy of the report like we have no and there was work being maintenance work being done again you could be walking into a just an ongoing liability that could go for years and years and years and it's the question marks and the lack of information that is the issue there it's the gaps and so you know a good a solicitor who reads a lot of these reports who doesn't just look at the budget will be able to comment on that vis-a-vis -vis how it compares with other buildings. But you know what? Probably the most alarming thing about this this um, listener question wasn't so much the fact that the solicitor had warned them off it, and I'm very glad they took the solicitor's advice. Yeah, and can we, can we point out, but if you're going to listen to anyone, it's the solicitor. Yes, because their mortgage broker said, oh, no, you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> so far outside his lane, her lane, their lane. <laughs> so, they're swimming so far outside their lane, they're actually on dry land. It's how far they are outside their lane, that their lane. They're not even in the pool. 
in the pool, <laughs> not even in the pool. I mean, a mortgage broker Specialist is, in strata no, to start with. They don't have, unless they are qualified, they have specific qualifications and experience. And I don't know if you'd go from law to mortgage broking, it's not a, nat- not a natural progression. Um, they shouldn't have given any advice around this at all. It's just abominable. I'm mortified to think that a broker would say that. And I guess we have to remember, when is the broker paid? Yep. Spot on. Because... It, unlike most industries, there's no sort of progress payment in m- many parts of the real estate industry, and that includes for mortgage brokers. So mortgage brokers might do a large amount of work, but they only get paid if you settle the loan. Yeah. And we love mortgage brokers. You know that we love mortgage brokers. We're always telling you. Oh, very much so. Get a broker on your team. You know, it's really important to get a really good broker. However, this is an example of not a really good broker. Um, This is is an example of somebody who really should just stick to what they know, if they know broking for that matter, because I would hazard that as a person, they might be either overly helpful, um, but terribly unhelpful, or- It's a wrecking ball. Just, or yeah, just so ignorant that they don't know when to draw the line and not to offer- advice. So I would be recommending, what I'd be recommending is get a new broker. Yes. You want someone who in that situation, it, they might say, oh, that's really interesting. You know, ha- have you asked them about or are there any other options or is it like to ask the questions back to the expert? So it's all well and good. Like we all hear things and go, oh, that just sounds a bit odd. You know, what about this, this and this? Like it's it's all good to to qu- raise questions with the other person, but to answer those questions when it's not your field of expertise is stepping so far outside your lane that it borders on negligence and and willful negligence to actually provide advice to someone that is so far outside your area of expertise, especially when they're actually going against what the solicitor said. said. But I mean, wow, it's just nuts. So, but this sort of thing happens, right? Because in property, too many people give advice outside their lane. It happens all the time. And that is why the very first step in our course is to assemble the right support team and to know what to ask of each of them. Um, but also, I think the other thing that when we get to step seven, which is the due diligence or the evaluation step, um, is to understand the process and know what to look for in a stratus uh, report as well. Because then just relying on the lawyer isn't actually really good enough either because the lawyer may not be an expert in strata, although, as I said, we've always encouraged you to find one who does, but it's actually quite difficult to find people who specialise in strata. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. And it's, it's very, very state-specific. Like uh, we, we always recommend getting a local specialist, but strata in particular is very state-specific. Um, and it's important to ask the right questions, have the right set of questions to ask the people who you're considering putting on your team and being your trusted advisor, because you, you're putting a huge amount of trust into the people who are giving you advice inside their area of expertise. And the lawyer is, you know, the conveyance of the solicitor, they're, they're one of the biggest ones that you need to have a good ability to communicate with, you know, the cut price Solicitors, I don't know how many times we have to say it. If you are given a low price 
for a fixed contract, a fixed fee for a, a contract when you're purchasing. And there's a limitation to what they're going to do. And everything that they do for you is, you know, on top of, on top of, on top of. Be really careful because what you might find is you end up in almost like a factory kind of situation where it's just run through the mill. So um, it, uh, the contract arrives, they send you out a letter, you sign a letter, they order searches. There's no communication between you. They don't know what it is you're actually buying. You don't know what questions to ask them. They're not asking you any questions because they don't really care. You have to have someone who's prepared to go, this looks a bit odd. Or what is it that you're actually buying? The worst of that, that doesn't get us anywhere near enough. Um, the worst example of that is where you've got a conveyancer or a solicitor and all they do is the conveyance, i.e. they don't give any advice before you commit. And, and we really, it, this is all about getting the right advice and knowing when to engage them and when to get them, you know, involved and what to ask them at that point. And, and, you know, we talk about that, that's in the execution phase of in your first home buyer guide, we teach you exactly when to engage a solicitor and what to ask them. You know, we go through that in the execution phase. So this is a very, very important part of, of your, um, your support group. Yeah, and the development for yourself as well. Because you want to be informed. You want to be an educated home buyer. You want to know what to ask, who to ask. Don't expect people to tell you in the process what to do and and what the answers are. You've got you've got to be educated on the front foot. What do you I, ask? I know. And this is <laughs> not everyone's like us, like your mum sitting on your shoulder telling you what to do. I know it's annoying having mum telling you what to do all the time. Oh, honestly, woman voice then, Veronica. I got a little bit shaky. Um, <laughs> no one wants to be told what to do by their mum. But we're here with your best interest at heart. You know, we're sort of your property mums. Anyway, we have two episodes of the podcast that you should go back to listen to that deal directly with buying strata. So if you are interested in this area, you're looking at buying an apartment, and you want to get a, a deeper understanding about what to look for, back in episode um, 47 and episode 56, put the uh, links in the show notes. Some great input there from some uh, some really good lawyers. Two yeah. lawyers. Yeah. Yep. So we've already said it. When buying strata, look for a lawyer or conveyancer who specialises in it because there is a lot that can be overlooked by those who are not experienced in the area. Um, there's also, let's also quickly talk about the area in which they were looking at buying an apartment because there's another little red flag in here that I know as a local expert, right? Here we go. Hey, here's that local on the ground long experience. We're giving you a little bit of a little insider run. It's just giving you an insight into how an expert views this. Now, I'm not going to give you the suburb that they're looking at buying in because we don't want to be that specific, but it is a suburb that ha uh, is within, it's like four kilometres from Sydney CBD. So inner city, really quick commute, like nine minutes to the city by public transport or something. So it's a really great pocket. It's a industrially, um, it originally was industrial and it's, it's still in the process of redevelopment and being um, changed from industrial, an old industrial hub to uh, quite a high density area with lots of apartments. And some of those apartments are better than others. I would say by the, there's a, a minority of buildings that I would want to buy, buy in that suburb because there's just a massive supply of apartments. 
There are some that overlook a park for argument's sake, and they're they're lovely and some really lovely buildings there, and some some buildings that have are very well run, and there's some that are shocking, right? So there's a real spread. Sounds like life, really. It's quite a quite a spread. Uh, quite a spread, right? But there's a cl- there's a clue because there's not a lot of A grade buildings in that area, and then within even those buildings, you want to make sure you're buying a good apartment, right? Because not every no, not every apartment in an A grade building is an A grade apartment, right? So there's a lot in the property selection you need to be thinking about. Buying in an area like this with a cooling off period, that tells me that there's not many buyers interested in this property mm, because this is a high auction area. This is an auction oriented area, and even if a property doesn't go to auction, often there's enough interest in good ones that the agent, there's no way they're going to offer a cooling off period. So these guys were able to buy this or, or put uh, sign a contract and exchange contracts with a cooling off period, which they were then able to rescind. They were able to back out of, right? Warning signal. Fact that that was possible um, is a danger, a danger sign to me. And you know, one of our maxims, one of our Home Buyer Academy principles is if it's easy to buy, it's hard to sell. Yeah. A property that you can get a cooling off period where, uh, where they're very difficult to get a cooling off period, that means it's easy to buy. And I think it's a bullet dodged. A bullet <laughs> dodged. <laughs> now, a little side note to that. Um, we've skipped over it, but we would never recommend that you overlook due diligence. Oh, God, no. Even if the location is amazing. You know, you have to make sure that you're only buying A grade. Or if it's not A grade, the the issues that are with it can be overcome with some sort of intervention. Now, most aren't that great. So don't just focus on the, the location as being the driver. Have a look at the bigger picture. The whole picture has to make sense. Yeah, and never gloss over, um, never gloss over some red flags. And I think what I would say too to Avtab and anyone like him who's thinking that they've got just enough of information from us to make good decisions, he hasn't got enough. And if you're listening, you should do the course because you need more, right? You need to piece it all together. Yeah. So I just was a little alarmed. It's like, oh my God, you know, almost going to override the solicitor and side with the, the dodgy mortgage broker um, because he'd read one thing that we put out there and yeah. took it out of context. Right. So that's the moral of this story. Do And we course. hope you take a lot Get it out in of order. This. Do yeah. everything <laughs> in the right order. Know how to do the due diligence. Know how to get the right people on your support crew. Who to listen to. And don't try to buy a property that's easy to buy. In this episode, we've only touched on a tiny part of the huge amount of things you need to know to become an educated first-home buyer. There is so much more for you to do. You can learn all of the steps in the right order and avoid all of the mistakes that others have made in our 10-step online course for first-home buyers. If you'd like to learn more about the right process and avoid making rookie errors, become an educated home buyer. Head over to the website, check out your first home buyer guide the course that we have created for you. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you've liked what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. It helps other people find us. And of course, I know it's a bit cringy, but we're going to ask for five stars. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, 
please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with more priceless stuff.